Hey everyone, and welcome to the Phillips Show. Of course, you know, grab your coffee. I don't know what you're drinking, but I'm trying. It's getting warmer outside, so coffee is about to turn into iced coffee in the same mug. So we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna see how that goes. So listen, <clears throat> in the national conversations, and I talk about national conversations a lot because that's just what's being talked about. But there's a lot of advocacy going on. There's a lot of advocacy for space and room. There's a lot of advocacy around identity. There's a lot of advocacy around freedoms and justice. And there's also advocacy around mental health. And what do we do now? How do we address it? Is it okay to talk about and what does it mean to have a mental health concern? There's a lot of stigmas um, around mental health, and a lot of them are just that. A lot of them are just stigmas and what we think um, a mental health, say it's a crisis, or mental health situation may be. But today we are joined by an outspoken advocate for successfully discussing and dealing with mental health issues and an avid storyteller, and I can't wait uh, to hear stories. So please wel help me welcome Alyssa Paolella. Alyssa. Hi, Philip. Hi, good morning. Hey, oh, you got you your mug? Coffee? Yes. I love your mug too. It's also Yellow Springs. Oh my goodness. So you're from, you're, you're not from Yellow Springs, but you're here. I am. Yes. Oh, and I know as a, as a storyteller, I know that there is a huge story about that. But I wanna jump into, if you don't mind, we can just jump right in. I want <clears throat> to jump into what we opened up the show with about mental health and what is it? Um, and even more to the point, how do we deal with it? And what has been your journey surrounding that? I know one thing that you said was asking for help but acknowledging I cannot do everything on my own was the bravest thing I've ever done. How did you get to that point? Yeah, so I think that uh, you know, asking for help and being in community is the only way that we can lift each other up and uh, and get through those hard moments that everyone has in life. Mm. And uh, my uh, mental health journey has been long. I uh, have been a mental health advocate for my entire adult life. Okay. Uh, I had connections through family and uh, I had my own bipolar diagnosis when I was pretty young. And uh, I thought that it was in remission and, and that's not really a thing. Bipolar is a chronic condition um, so so I spent, it's not in remission. It is not. Um, okay. There's treatment, um, but you know my experience has been really managing the symptoms. Gotcha. So the symptoms do appear. Uh, you know whether that is a more high mood, and uh, for me, I have bipolar two, type two, which okay. is uh, you have hypomania instead of mania. So hypomania okay. is a, a little under the full uh, full mania that people may think and associate with. Uh, spending, uh, high risk behaviors, 
Mm. Um, you know, the, um, the manic, uh, you know, like I mentioned, the spending, the spending a lot of money, maybe outside of your means. My hypomania is more uh, along the lines, my symptoms are I'm very productive. I uh, can do a lot and I agree to a lot. I agree to, to help with a lot of things. I, I love volunteering. It's a huge part of my life. Um, so for me, managing my bipolar, part of that is staying cognizant of how many times I say yes so that I can follow through on, on what I say I'm going to do because that's really important to me. That's, you know, a part of integrity, which is one of my core values. So um, that's, that's one way that it manifests. It may manifest in being more outgoing and having higher confidence. But, uh, you know, with mania, sometimes people will um, feel that they are, are so powerful and even um, feel that they are God or things like that. Um, at my self-confidence, I don't count that as a negative symptom of bipolar. Uh, it's very much grounded in the work that I've done on myself for, you know, uh, since I was 11 year old, uh, since I was 11 years old, uh, I remember uh, recognizing that I wasn't very patient and deciding that I was going to work to do better at that. Uh, so mm -hmm. I am a big proponent of always, you know, uh, bringing being uh being self-aware about yeah. the, the challenges and limitations you may have and then if you want a change in your life to take steps to to change uh, to change your life so uh i had been uh, so part of asking for help was when i was having suicidal thoughts and for a long time uh, it was passive suicidal thoughts that could be things like uh, they'd be better off without me, or mm. I'm not, uh, you know, the world would, I don't know that I've ever believed the world would be a, a worse place. Um, but, uh, but in those moments, you, uh, you know, my brain is really working differently when I'm in severe depression. So with hypomania, in addition to the lower mania, you can also have more severe depression. So I was uh, spending a lot of time what I thought was reframing. And I had all this knowledge about mental health. I have always been interested in it and have studied it and read about all different conditions. The, the more severe depression had come to a point that I was only denying negative thoughts. And I was saying that that can't be true. I don't, I don't believe that. But I found that it was really important to replace those thoughts. And so when I was not replacing those thoughts as a part of the re reframing and acknowledging what I'm good at and what I contribute to the world and not just saying that's not true, I came, I came to a place where the suicidal thoughts were, were uh, more common. And mm -hmm. I decided that, uh, you know, I, had, I at the time I was on a local NAMI board, which is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Mm -hmm. I had been a board member. I have been a secretary for the board as part of my advocacy work. And even at that time, you know, anyone can experience uh, mental health conditions and uh, it doesn't matter how much you know about a topic, the, the intellectual part that I know about it does not necessarily translate into the emotions that I feel. I think that, <clears throat> and if we can pause right there, I think that's really important to pull out because sometimes people have this perception that if you know more about mental health, then that means you won't have mental health issues. And 
and I think it's interesting how you said that because that that just resonated that resonated with me. It's like I know people can know what to do. They mm -hmm. know the hows, but in their mind or what's real. Mm -hmm. but in their mind, they don't believe it, you know? And I think that that is something, I think that's something um, interesting about mental health and all of, you know, the ways that it can show up as perhaps a situation. Absolutely. And even just when we're stressed and struggling, you know, I think it's really uh, great to remember that even therapists have therapists. So, uh, you know, you can't you can't necessarily treat yourself or have the perspective that you need in that moment when you're experiencing severe depression and your mind is, uh, you know, it, it's less sharp. You, you're experiencing more f brain fog. And the the things that I believe about myself, at least for me, do change based on the the uh, part of the the cycle that I'm in. Uh, I do, uh, oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say that um, you also said, um, I practice self-care every day, not just to relax, but to thrive. And it sounded like you were kind of going into what you do as far as self-care was concerned. And I wanted to pinpoint that too, because a lot of people have the, um, they can stereotype mental health or self-care mm -hmm. and do it for a season. And mm -hmm. it's like, well, it's not really seasonal, <laughs> you know, it's not really seasonal. And like you said, you know, it's a, it's a process, but it's not something that starts, stops, and that's mm -hmm. it. You know, what, what are some of the things that you do? Because I know people are going to be listening. It's like, well, practicing self-care, yeah. what does that even mean? Yeah. So, and, uh, you know, I consider my coping skills that I developed through uh, when I, when I uh, put checked myself into the hospital for suicidal thoughts. Uh, in that time, you know, I knew what the list was, but I didn't know what worked for me. Mm -hmm. And so uh, a big part of that treatment was learning the coping skills that were best for me. And I incorporate those into my self-care. So uh, the other thing is that with bipolar, as I said, it's chronic. So if I stop practicing self-care, that's a, a, there's a good chance that I'm going to have a fluctuation in mood. So mm. practicing self-care is really taking care of yourself. It's, yeah. you know, be, when you don't want to take a shower, taking a shower. When mm. you don't have the energy to take a shower, going ahead and doing it. It's brushing your teeth every day. Some people struggle with that when they're severely, severely depressed. Um, it's drinking water and taking care of your body. Uh, and it's moving. So that's the most recent, um, the most recent, area that I've been focusing on is moving my body and mm -hmm. making sure that I'm taking care of myself physically, because really it's a whole body system. We like yes. to separate mental health from physical health, um, but they're it's so interchangeable that they are truly not, uh, you can, truly cannot separate them. That's so eye-opening because some people would not associate doing those small things with practicing self-care. It would just be something that I didn't do today. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, it's like, oh, I didn't I didn't feel like it, but not saying that you not feeling like it is sort of an issue. Mm -hmm. How does one determine and I know this is this might be too. I don't know if there's an answer for this, but how does one determine if they just lazy or, you know, me not doing that is actually something that I need to look into. 
Yeah. So whenever I hear people talk about laziness, I do have to question that. There's mm -hmm. a condition that we know about now called executive dysfunction. And I think a lot of people who are called lazy actually have a condition that their brain has trouble knowing the steps to get where they need to go. Hmm. So I don't personally uh, experience executive dysfunction, but I think that when you assume people are lazy, you're not giving them the benefit of the doubt. And the chances are pretty great that they're just struggling. And that's yeah. when your, you know, your community and your network, that is so vital. A big part of my depression was around the environment that I was in, okay. not feeling that I belonged in that community. Um, even though I was very well known in the community as a former journalist, um, it, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily the community for me. Got it. So there was a lot of isolation there, and uh, so I built you know over the past five years, I've strengthened the relationships that I've had, and I've been more intentional about adding uh, quality relationships to my life. Mm -hmm. And it's not only people supporting me. I love to support people. I love when people come to me and say I'm struggling because a lot of people are, you know, they're they're scared of that. But yeah. they're often, scared of saying it, or they're scared of struggling. Yeah. yeah. Well, the people who you're, so the people who are struggling, um, those who are helping them, those who they are, who they are going to for help, you know, to to express their thoughts. Sometimes people think that they have to say something special. And so often people just need a presence, a yeah. truly caring presence, someone to hold their hand and to say, you're not alone, uh, mm. to hear them and, yeah. and to, um, you know, to, to really hear them out and be a good listener. That's so, that's so important. Um, and I think that's overlooked a lot um, mm -hmm. because people do have, the desire to quote unquote be a support. And generally mm -hmm. that be a support means like either be a therapist or do something. Mm -hmm. And like you were saying, just having somebody's presence there could make all the difference. You don't have to do anything a lot of times. You don't have to say anything. You, sometimes you just have to be. Absolutely. I think more often than not, people just need to express themselves and be heard and be affirmed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know that you recently moved to Yellow Springs and was <laughs> um, was that was that move since we're talking about self-care? Where was that move in your decision making process when it came to what's best for you? Yeah, so it's a funny story because actually, I don't know how it came up, but my therapist and I, during a session, were talking about Yellow Springs. Um, maybe it was about you know me wanting to see more art and culture, uh, things like that. And she said, you should live in Yellow Springs. And I said, oh, I can't do that. I've got this and that, and you know, I've got these responsibilities, and it's that's a big move, and I'm on my own. It's just, uh, that's, that's a hard thing at this point in my life. Um, being bipolar, I have to watch the changes in my life because that can often trigger either hypomania or depression. Mm. Um, but I, I left there and I, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And uh, so yes, it was a big part of finding a community that for me, um, I felt like I could belong. I felt that people were kind 
And mm-hmm. that hasn't, I haven't always experienced that. Um, I've got a lot of empathy for people who are being unkind to each other because there's probably something going on in their own life. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was only so much I could change in that community, yeah. you know, one-on-one having conversations, helping people understand because there it's very much uh, Trump country to the point that Democrats don't raise their hands. They don't, uh, they're not, they're not out of the closet as Democrats. Mm. And so as I left journalism and a big part of that was advocacy work, uh, I wanted to be more involved in advocacy work. You know, I left journalism and, uh, you know, I got into more organizational communications and with, uh, with COVID, you know, I had always done some remote work and with COVID, it was the first time I was uh, completely remote Mm. and uh, I changed jobs a couple of times. I I was laid off and I kept pushing forward. I'm very proud of how I've uh, made it through the, the tough times of COVID and I couldn't have done it without the support of my, my own community. So I, uh, you know, I landed a job that was definitely permanently remote. And, uh, you know, it took me a little while to realize I can live anywhere. Uh, I don't have to stay in this area anymore. A big part, you know, my family lives there and I still, you know, love to see them and, and go back to see them. But a big part of where I was living was what job opportunities I had. Sure. Yeah. So when I, uh, you know, I was able to work remote and my therapist said, you should live in Yellow Springs and everything just fell into place. Mm. Housing is really hard to find in Yellow Springs. And there was, um, you know, I talked to a lot of a lot of landlords. Uh, One place fell through. I had given, you know, I had sent a deposit uh, without even seeing it. You know, I was ready Mm. to jump. And uh, so I sent a deposit and that place fell through. Um, but still within three months, I was living in Yellow Springs and recognizing that there are um, pieces of my life that I was willing to give up to live in Yellow Springs. So, for example, uh, we all like to have food delivered to us at times. And I think that a lot of people did, you know, that picked up during COVID. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, if I could save that money, uh, I could live in Yellow Springs. And yeah. Yeah, and I knew that because housing is so hard to to find, and um, and housing doesn't come, you know, apartments don't come up, up often, especially uh, you know one bedroom apartments. I was looking for a housemate, and uh, you know it kept falling through, and folks just weren't ready to move, and. So I took a leap of faith and I rented a two bedroom and I decided I was more likely to find someone in Yellow Springs if I was there with an apartment. Mm. So I knew I had so many months before I ran out of money. Um, (laughs) uh, But, uh, you know, with everything else that had fallen into place, I had confidence that uh, that it was the right place for me and that everything would work out. However, that however that is, you know, however it's supposed to happen. Yeah. So, so moving to Yellow Springs and talking about mental health, what things do you now put in place or what things have been checked off the box because mm-hmm. you're now in this place? Oh, there's so many. Uh, I think I would start with just the social activities that I have to choose from. Uh, you know, where I was living before, it's, uh, there's a different culture. 
Mm -hmm. And there might be, you know, some theater that I would want to go see or, uh, you know, an art show every quarter or things like that. But uh, but in Yellow Springs, there are many things to choose from every every day that I enjoy and, uh, you know, where where differences are celebrated. And so just that social outlet has been really good for me. Um, obviously, the nature this is Yellow Springs is, uh, you know, my favorite favorite natural environment in Ohio, along with the Athens County, uh, Athens and Hacking Hills area. Uh, okay. And the, and uh, just the amount of nature that's available to people and the extent of, uh, you know, what's offered. Mm. Um, additionally, I had more opportunities to explore um, spiritual outlets as well as and these are kind of intertwined, more holistic healing. So okay. there are so many people in Yellow Springs who offer a variety of alternative methods of healing. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I, I do Reiki, I do Tai Chi, uh, I do intuitive massage, those types of things. And, uh, you know, whether those are spiritual or not, I know they're helping me. And okay. I think that's yeah. I think that's necessary to say, you know. Yeah, I think it's exactly. necessary. Yeah. Yeah, and and paired with the other treatment I'm I'm in. So I'm still seeing a therapist. I'm still seeing a psychiatrist who prescribes my medication that keeps me alive literally. Um so there's still a lot of stigma around taking medication yeah. um, for for mental health conditions and you know the um I would just encourage people to to work with a professional and uh and know that medicine in the mental health space has made great strides in the past couple decades. So it's known, you know, mental health medication is known as I think in the general public as being uh, more of an experimental thing where you have to try one antidepressant and that doesn't work. So you try another antidepressant and that doesn't work. People don't realize that in the past, you know, approximately two decades, perhaps, the advances in medicine have created new antidepressants that okay. are less that people are less likely to have the side effects that may have gone with earlier uh, earlier medications. Mm. In addition, I hope it becomes widely available uh, at some point. It's still in the early uh, early implementation. Um, there, due to DNA sequencing. Uh, they can actually look at your DNA and determine based on that what antidepressant should work best for you. Oh. So they're just great strides in medicine, right? We know about strides in medicine in many other areas. And I don't know why uh, we don't know about these, but just, you know, keep in mind that there have been so many advances and that includes the mental health space. And a personal question, just listening to all the advances that are being made and listening to the number of people saying things about mental health, it's on social media everywhere, you know, create the safe spaces for people to say it, normalize being able to have mental health concerns. And this might sound weird, but where did the boom of needing antidepressants or people being depressed come it seems like it came out of nowhere you know it seems like it's just like okay so now everybody's 
depressed and now we need all these medicines was it something that was just really not spoken of so we really didn't know where people just went untreated because you just really couldn't say yeah i think both of those and i would also add our mental health system is very broken oh, okay um, it's it's hard to find a therapist that that works well with you hmm. the waiting list for psychiatry can be six months long and when people need medicine they need it now so some people who are untreated with medication will actually go to a hospital because they can access that medication quicker. That uh, like, sense. yeah, like most of our healthcare system, our mental healthcare system is is uh, struggling. It's underfunded, and mm. uh, you know, for the amount of people who need help. But I do think a big part of it was being untreated, and I think that there are a lot of stigma stigmas around just medication in general for mental health. And that keeps people from seeking treatment. But so does, uh, you know, the lack of accessibility, the lack of affordable care, the lack of therapists and psychiatrists. We don't have enough of them for the need that is there. Uh, we know the estimates are one in five people will have a mental health condition in a given year. And I think those are probably underreported numbers. Again, mm. people don't seek help and, uh, you know, for a variety of reasons that are inside and outside their control. Just listening to you tell your stories, it's clear that you are well-versed in communication and you have your own communications company, Paolella Communications. Tell me just a little bit about that and what that involves for you. Yeah, I do. So I originally was doing freelance writing and editing. Uh, I've done that for a number of years, uh, just since I've wor worked in corporate communication. So about the past seven years uh, doing freelance outside of journalism. And then, you know, during COVID, I had the opportunity to earn a variety of certifications, uh, opportunity and time. So I became certified in some of the work I was already doing in content marketing, digital marketing, email marketing, social media marketing, and search engine optimization for websites. Mm -hmm. uh, I love content marketing. I love content marketing. It's uh, it's definitely my heart and because it's the opportunity to tell more stories. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I had the skills and I thought I don't, I just don't need to limit the services that I offer. Uh, so I do offer strand strategy and planning. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and a part of every project is analytics because you must know if what you're putting out is effective. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's just a given. That's part of the project. So I can do, you know, any channel. I, I've worked with all the platforms and uh, I just love. I feel honored to be able to help other people and businesses and nonprofits tell their stories. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. And um, and you do a good job um, because you tell yours very well. Um, thank you. So, yeah. Well, Alyssa, thank you so much for being on and uh, being so transparent and informative. You know, you're transparent with your story, but through your transparency, there's all of this information. And I think a lot of the information that you shared to me was so comforting, you know, because it helps put reason to why. You know, when you hear somebody else say it sometimes and you're feeling that way sometimes, you say it and it's like, oh, that's why. <laughs> oh, that's thank why. You. So so thank you for um, for continuing to move forward even when the challenges were hard. Um, yeah. And yeah, thank you for that. Thanks for having me, Philip.
Absolutely, it's my pleasure. <laughs> okay, I, and I, oh, will you come back and talk more about marketing and just some other stuff? I'd love to, absolutely. I'd also love to talk about Central State University, Ohio's only public HBCU and 1890 Land Grant University, where I currently work now as a university writer. You're the university writer. So let's let's um, let's explore that just real quick. So okay. as a university writer, you you got the job at um, Central State, and as university writer, that means what? Yeah, so I work with an institutional advancement. So that can be everything from storytelling, uh, making sure that the stories of campus get out. The students are doing just incredible work there. And it's a really small university and it's not well known in Ohio. Um, I, you know, I, I've worked in the advocacy space. My friends work in the advocacy space and we just didn't know that the HBCU of the Midwest is 15 minutes down the road from Yellow Springs. Uh, so that mission was really important to me. So I'm, I'm glad to be able to advance the institution uh, and all the great things that are happening. I also work with the development team to reach out to supporters, donors, alumni, uh, current students, faculty, staff, any audience that you can think of. I, uh, I'm a part of and proud that uh, within the past couple months, we pushed a project forward to, to launch a new website for Central State centralstate.edu. Uh, a lot of the legwork had been done and they brought in a couple people for the team and we uh, pushed it to, through the finish line. Uh, so that was a, a big project for me just starting out. Well, that's amazing. Yeah, a lot of people don't, number one, know about Central State, num know where it is and uh, just the rich history that it, yeah. um, that it really has, specifically being um, an HBCU. So Absolutely. yeah, so it looks like we have a lot to talk about again. So we're gonna to have to schedule another time to talk about just so many other things. Absolutely, anytime. Well, thank you so much again for being here today. Thanks, Philip. So if nothing else, and you know, I always try and do takeaways and I always try and kind of wrap it up, but there's really no, no wrap up. My takeaway is that from, from mental health issues, or challenges that one has, you know, there is a way out. And a lot of it, as Alyssa was saying, a lot of it um, surrounds awareness, as well as putting things into place to either seek help, to be able to speak to someone, something. So something actionable. So wherever you are, if you hear something about somebody having mental health, mental health issues, number one, have grace. And number two, if you are somebody, that suffers from any uh, mental health challenges, and let's take the word suffers out, that lives with any mental health challenges. There is help and there is hope for you and keep moving forward. I'm so appreciative to Alyssa for coming on the show. Um, we will talk again soon. And for all of you, remember that you are the best you in the world. I'll see you next time on The Philip Show. Don't wait.